Now, can I ask you one interview question? Daphne, are you a dirty whore? Absolutely. 100%. Terrific. Everyone knows it. Dirty whores. Cross-Atlantic nitpicking about Doctor Who. From four grown adults who should probably know better. From four grown adults who should probably be working. We're not afraid to say it like it is. All the word bollocks. www.dirtywhoers.com Good afternoon, I think. No, not quite. Oh, God, it feels like it. We're at Dimensions 2013, and we're here in a dark corridor with the lovely Matt Fitton, one of Big Finish's writers. Hello. And we're just going to randomly burble. <laughs> so, how long have you been working with Big Finish now, then? Well... I think it's about three years I've actually been writing for them, but it feels longer because I've always listened to them. <laughs> so in my head, I've been writing them since the beginning. Yeah. So it's not just feels longer because they're such harsh task maskers then? Well, that's well, obviously. Yeah, oh, yeah, You've met yeah. David. I yes. have met David, <laughs> yes. 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 <laughs> I've not let him listen to this. <laughs> no. We can cut this. Can't we? <laughs> so how did you get into it? Uh, when I started by coming in through the um, script opportunity they had, when they were looking for writers, they asked everyone to submit a one-episode pitch and a sample scene for the Fifth Doctor and Nyssa, and I sent in my pitch, heard nothing more about it, and then I think Rick Briggs came through on that opportunity, and his story appeared on Demons of Red Lodge, I think. And so that came out, and I thought, that's the end of it, and I'll just carry on trying try my luck elsewhere, and uh, suddenly, out of the blue, I got an email from Alan Barnes saying, we, we liked a few of the other stories that we, would, we had submitted, and could I redevelop mine for the six stops from Perry, so uh, oh. I stuck them into a Jane Austen simulation, <laughs> <laughs> which actually suited Colin's Doctor even better. Yeah, yeah. I can imagine that yeah. actually, yes. Because yeah. yeah, Colin's Doctor's really developed, hasn't it, through the audios? He's been able to do so much more with it than he was able to on screen. Absolutely. I mean, to plug another one of mine, in the wrong doctor, it's brilliant. I had that opportunity at the beginning of this year to sort of point up the progress that Colin's Doctor has made. So you've got an early sixth Doctor, the more brusque and pulling well, a china shop style doctor meeting his older more mellow self and the threat of the whole story all that doctoring gets wiped out in between the two of them mm-hmm. uh, but that was fun to put Colin against Colin <laughs> in the story <laughs> I can imagine yes <laughs> so how many of the doctors have you written for now? well I'm gradually ticking them off the list um, after Actually, I mustn't give anything away. No, don't, 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 Hustling Alan to give me a fifth. It was interesting story. seeing as your, yes. your initial pitch was for the fifth doctor, but you yes. haven't actually written yes. a full one yet for it. No, no. Sixth a lot, seventh a few sevenths, and of course now the eighth in Dark Eyes 2 that's coming out. Ah, oh, right, so you've done some of the Dark Eyes ones. Yes, so I've written two of the stories in Dark Eyes 2, so, so the next box set that's coming out at the beginning of 2014. So I've written the latter two stories, so the, the third one and then the finale, which, I mean, by now it's been announced, we've got all sorts of people coming back. Uh, Nicola Walker as Livchenko, Alex McQueen as a particular character, and putting him up against Paul McGann some really great fun to do. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what were you doing before? Well, I'm still doing it now. I'm, you know, <laughs> My day job is I'm an economist. Well, I say economist. I work for an economic consultancy. But I cut back my days a few years ago with the intention of doing something creative with my time. And and, because I've always wanted to write, I just never had the opportunity to to really pursue that. Ever since school, university, I've read stories, written stories. Took a long break while you know life happened. (laughs) Got married, had a child, and then. 
as I got a bit more free time, as I say, I cut back on my day job. So now I, I, I just work a few days a week and then spend the rest of my time working for Big Finish. Awesome. We've interviewed quite a few Big Finish people now over the last few years. Yeah. And they seem like once you've been adopted into the family, that's it. And it is very much a big family. It is like a family, yes. That's why I, I really enjoy coming along to, to the conventions and actually selling the CDs over the counter and then meeting the people who are listening to it. And obviously it helps my ego. <laughs> <laughs> No, but it's, it's nice to get direct feedback because you don't always write something and put it out there and you don't really know what anyone else thinks of it. I mean, you can only really... You write for yourself. You write what, what it is you want to write. Obviously, you've got to please your script editor and uh, producer as well. But it's nice when it strikes a chord with other people as well and they get what it's about. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's fun doing that. Lovely. If you could be a cake or biscuit, what cake or biscuit would you be? Shortbread. I love shortbread fingers. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> No messing straight in. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. A man who knows his biscuits. <laughs> Wonderful. Favourite tipple? That's tricky. That's do like a nice whiskey. I had a, a Lafroy the other night, actually, with Mr. Ken Bentley. So that's, yes, that's a lovely civilised drink. <laughs> yes. so, why do I have a sudden image of the two of you in leather armchairs with pipes? And Did you see us? <laughs> <laughs> if there was someone, a historical figure who you'd like to meet, what would you actually say to them? It's, it's amazing who pops into Father Christmas popped into my head for some reason. <laughs> I'd probably ask him, are you real? Oh, well, if you're talking to him, it kind of suggests he is. Or you've had something very interesting to eat or drink. Yes, yeah, too many of the Freud's and shortbreads. <laughs> Hello, we're here at Dimensions 2013 with the lovely, lovely Philip Olivier. Easy for you to say. <laughs> I wasn't the one out clubbing till goodness knows when last night. How very day! <laughs> I had a great time. Well, you know, if you don't go to a nightclub in Newcastle, you're obviously doing something wrong. When in Rome. Exactly. And you are just a mere strip of a thing still. Yeah, oh, thank you. (laughs) So, Philip, how long have you been working with Big Finish? 13 years now. Really? Yeah, it's actually the longest-running job I've ever done. Wow. You're um, one of the Seventh Doctor's companions, aren't you? Yes, I work with Sylvester McCoy and Sophie Aldred. And, uh, yeah, back in 2000, they approached me to come and join as a new companion. And here we are in 2013. It's crazy. Wow. I didn't realise it was quite that long. God, it's crazy how just time flies. Yeah, I still look back to the first day when I walked in the room and seen Sylvester, because he was the doctor I watched when I was a kid. So just to see him, and I was like, wow, I'm actually working with him. <laughs> and they've become great friends now, Sylvester and Sophie, and it's so nice to actually class them as my friends. Mm. Idols of mine. <laughs> yeah, oh, Sophie's lovely. We interviewed her in a train yard in Derby once. Many, many moons ago. That must have been easy. Right there, another train. <laughs> There's um, a convention called Hooverville that they used to run at the Steam Preservation Centre. So you used to get the steam train to the site, uh, but it was basically just like a yard. <laughs> and you got there with sheds full of trains. It was the weirdest place for Doctor Who convention ever, but really quite unique. Yeah. So, yes, um, they stuck us in a shed where they were painting a new train. So everybody was high as a kite. <laughs> it, was, it was a particularly wonderful experience. Did it have to do with the paint? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes, it was the paint, definitely the paint. I'll have to go for that. So, what have you been working on lately? Or is there anything that you're allowed to tell us about that you're working on lately? I know there's lots of people going around, oh, we've got wonderful things, but we're not allowed to tell you. I know, they keep on saying it to me. I'm, I'm bursting to tell everyone, but the last one, which is out now called Gods and Monsters, is 
when Hex dies, <gasps> then Big Finish called me up, and I was devastated from that. Um, I thought it was going to be the end, but then they called me up and said, yeah, you're going to come back and do another one, I've been calling you to come back, so I went back to go and record It's Called Afterlife. Yeah, we done that about two months ago, so that's released at Christmas, and um, when I went back, it was all flashbacks. Oh, so that's brilliant. So I'm still dead. <laughs> oh. I don't know what's going to happen. I can't really say what much happens in afterlife, but yeah, I'm still dead. Oh. I won't come back. I'm never sad. I don't want to leave the Dog Doe family. I'm sure they'll find something else for you to do. <laughs> I hope so. I, certainly what it seems to be from the people we've talked to is like once you're in with Big Finish, that's it. You, you can't escape. Uh, I hope so. <laughs> I, I know a few people have been killed off. <laughs> Oh, oh. But one of the only jobs where if you do die and there's a chance of coming back is Doctor Who. Yeah, well, it's time travel, so, you know, you can get around it, can't you? You can cheat. Yeah, hopefully. (laughs) Right, now we've done the serious bit. We have some frivolous questions. If you could be a cake or biscuit, what cake or biscuit would you be? A hobnob. That's an incredibly popular choice. Oh, is it? Oh, yes. Oh, fuck it. Let's check something else then. Um... Oh, what about a rich tea? Excellent choice. Second only to the bourbon. Oh, okay, is it? No, not in terms of choices. I thought you had a chart here. Oh, no, no. Oh. Um, we've had bourbons occasionally. Hobnobs are very popular. Oreos. No, nobody's actually said Oreos. Oh, fuck it then. That's it. Oreo. <laughs> Good man. Favourite tipple? Our podcasts are notoriously drunken. Oh, God. Vodka. I do like vodka. It's pretty easily accessible. That's probably why. <laughs> Anything goes, to be honest. I'll drink anything. I just don't like beer. Oh, I know what you mean. But I, uh, it looks so nice when I see people sitting there on a sunny day and you've got the frost in the glass on the outside and it's dripping down the dew. It looks beautiful in your neck at that. But yeah. I hate it. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that one. I'm not a great beer drinker myself. And if there was any person from history that you could meet, who would it be and what would you say to them? Oh, that's a bit of a difficult one, that, isn't I it? I know. Steve McQueen. Ooh. I just think he was he was brilliant and he died too young to be honest. Yeah. And what would they say to him? Yeah. Stay away from the nightclub, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean there's so many questions I'd like to ask him. I mean I think he's one of the, the legends that died young. Very much so, yes. Dimensions with the lovely Toby Haydock mm. and even lovelier Lisa Bowerman. <laughs> I don't like the villains. I've <laughs> <laughs> interviewed both of these lovely people before, so we're just going to have a general ramble about the 50th anniversary and what people are excited about and what they're actually allowed to tell us that they've been up to for the 50th anniversary. Absolutely. <laughs> yes, well. It's funny that you're interviewing us together because Lisa has helped me marvellously with the project that I'm doing, which what I'm looking forward to is it being over, which is called Toby Haydock's Who's Round, where I try and get a first-hand anecdote from every single story. And in fact, I haven't done any of that here because I think it's cheating if I get a regular or somebody that's been interviewed before. So, for example, when I've done Survival, Lisa hooked me up with Dave John Wilbarton and Shakuntala Ramani because, you know, they haven't spoken about Doctor Who as much as, say, Sylvester or Sophie or Andrew Cartmell or whatever. And I think Lisa's probably been asked every question (laughs) under the sun about Doctor Who, so I've spared her. But what it is, is I'm using Doctor Who as a jumping-off point and getting all sorts of fascinating stories about careers, from everyone from Warris Hussain, who directed the first episode, to Zoe Wanamaker via Kevin McNally and Bernard Kay and the man who designed The Abominable Snowmen. So it's... And it's proved to be... I I look back now and think, what on earth was I doing? I I must have been drunk. Because... (laughs) I, I mean, for about six months, because it's not anything any sane person would do. And I've 
done, just done, I've done 131 interviews so far, and I have about 22 stories left to cover. Although part of me is in two months, because I have cheated a bit, I did do Fraser Hines, and uh, Nicola Bryant knocked off a couple of stories for me, and I'm wondering if I should actually get somebody else to do the stories that they cover, but that's that that wasn't the rules. The rules were get an anecdote from every single story. It didn't say it, it wasn't don't use companions and things like that. <laughs> so I don't know why I'm making it more difficult for myself. Because you're a glutton for punishment, basically. Well, I, I, I just think it's, it's interesting when I'm talking to people that haven't spoken in depth about Doctor Who and their careers before. And Doctor Who actors have talked about Doctor Who and been interviewed about their careers before. Um, David Weston hasn't, and he's worked in theatre for over 50 years. He was one that uh, Lisa... And, and, and what's happened with fans have sent me contacts and things, and Lisa just said, right, who do I know that you want? And I sent her a list of all her Facebook friends, basically, that have been Doctor Who. Oh, it was supposed to be, like, raiding Lisa's magic book. It was, it was raiding Lisa's magic book. And, and it's so much better, because if, if, if you cold call someone or go via an agent, you get nowhere. You always get nowhere, especially if you've got no money, and this is, I'm not paying anybody for this, I don't get paid. It's cost me a fortune in coffee and cake uh, and oh, bottles of wine. So if somebody else says, oh, I know this guy, is all right, you know, but, yeah. uh, it, it helps. So that's what I've been doing, and I'm at the Dimensions Convention um, signing things for people who want to scribble on their CDs. What are you doing for the 50th, Lisa? Well, I'm currently photoshopping photographs of Doctors and Companions holding copies of Light at the End, which, of course, is Big Finish's 50th anniversary project, which I have no part in, which is quite funny. Yes, we're both not, we're both not in that. We're both not in that, but have, well, I'm sort of, uh, I'm sort of by, by association because they've actually added The Revenants, which is uh, a story I directed with uh, Russell, and with uh, the lovely Sharon Small uh, that we did for uh, Freebie for Doctor Who magazine a little while ago and it hasn't been released properly properly on CD before so that's quite exciting and in terms of the 50th my, my little contribution has been to do some of the companion chronicles that are leading up we did the beginning and the dying light and the last one which I can't remember the name of which is terrible <laughs> because we recorded them a while ago uh, with the wonderful Terry Malloy playing. oh he's smashing yes. he's jolly jolly good as well and it's a sort of epic three-part story starting really from the beginning from when the Doctor and Susan find a TARDIS which has been a little bit interesting because suddenly we had a design in the front cover that was not the same as the TARDIS that suddenly appeared on the BBC programme <laughs> so that was quite interesting ah. and we designed it into the cylindrical TARDISes if you saw what I mean so that was, that was quite interesting but um, that really good stories really enjoyed those and uh, so that's been my little contribution but as I say the beginning is not quite out yet it's almost there so leading it up to it and I think um, you know, there's been such a buzz about the anniversary it's, yes. it's fantastic oh. it really is very very exciting uh, yes uh, I'm going to go to the XL on Ooh. the 50th I'm so going to be there <laughs> but the week before that I'm doing I'll set my Doctor Who scarf and my stepson still my sonic screwdriver at the 900 seat Gallic Theatre for one night only is that and in London Sparkling West that End that is in London Sparkling West End it's, it's the day that Martin Shaw and 11 other angry men have Inclu- a day off including Miles Richardson including Miles Richardson <laughs> and Paul Anthony Barber from Rise of the Cybermen oh uh, he knows you know <laughs> and uh, they go dark on the, 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 the Sunday so there's a space for little old me to um, 
to record, Excellent. hopefully record DVDs of both my shows and do moths for the very last time. And it really is the last time. I'm never going to do it again after that. And you've nearly sold out, haven't you? I have nearly sold out, yes. Get your tickets now. So get your tickets fast. <laughs> and you never know, you might sit next to Axos, because he's coming. Yay! <laughs> <laughs> By the time this goes out, it'll be way... Oh. You know what we're like for getting these things edited and out. We're rubbish. <laughs> Isn't it amazing, the timing of finding those uh, lost Missing episodes. stories? Yes. I mean, I think that's added to the buzz as well. Um, my, my chap and I were sitting in uh, Heathrow Airport about a week ago, and there was a huge, big television screen, and there was a big announcement, and there was Debbie, and, and there was Fraser Hines, and there was one Mr. Toby Haydoke talking yes. in a very wonderfully enthusiastic way that we all feel the same about and very very wittily very happy it was nice it was nice to be on BBC Breakfast and they didn't they weren't patronising which was nice they and Louise Minchin actually said just at the end she went I'm a massive fan of Doctor I love the old stuff and the new stuff you see yeah so that was quite nice they're everywhere we're everywhere yeah. we are yes, everywhere yes. they really um, are but that, I thought that coverage was nice whereas the one show I believe mocked um, that makes me cross. Yes. The one show is a very strange beast. I don't quite know who it's trying to appeal to, no. she says, sweepingly. No. But no, that, that can't take the sheen off the fact that we have two almost complete Patrick Trammell stories that were pretty much very scantily represented by an episode piece. Mm-hmm. I think they're both great, but I think the web of fear is absolutely extraordinary. Yeah, I was so quite exciting. excited when they said they found that one, because I haven't seen any of anything. I saw, it, I, I, saw, I saw a clip of it just before they, they brought it out, and it is like a film noir. It was directed by Douglas Tanfield, who absolutely knew what he was doing, yeah. and the stuff on film is extraordinary. The Battle of Covent Garden, is he's, he's taken the script and really run with it. It's got great Jack, Jack Watling when he gets taken over by the great intelligent is fabulous and it's a really nice cast it's pretty well acted uh, but Camfield just drips exciting. drips with atmosphere he's an Love absolutely it. terrific director and, and I think that black and white actually enhances that story. absolutely the black and white and the, yes and yes especially the sort of yeah the menacing gloominess and enemy of the world Elisa is an actor geek like I you have to you, you have to watch it if if for nothing else, Milton Johns giving the oiliest performance Oh, and he's possible. so good at that. He's fantastic. <laughs> and he has a wonderful... Fraser Hines says to him at one point, I bet you were a horrible little boy. And he says, I was, but I had a most enjoyable childhood. <laughs> uh, and he's, he's just fabulous. Oh, uh, and a br- it's a brilliant so performance. I, just, I think also, I mean, again, only, I haven't seen the whole thing, but having seen little bits on, on television, the restoration is spectacular. I think yes. they probably went out in a better state now than it would have done when people saw it first Quite in, possibly, you know, yeah. on their however many line televisions. You know, yeah. now it, it does look like proper film noir. Yeah, yeah, absolutely beautiful. Yeah. Good, for, uh, good on them. When I stay um, in London, I stay with the man who restores the pictures. So I was in the house that the episodes were in with no knowledge that they were there because he didn't tell me because he signed a non-disclosure agreement. You know, it's all secrecy. Of course not. They were very good at so, keeping it. So, so yeah, they were. So unbeknownst to me, uh, I was in the, I was in the same house as the women. <laughs> oh, oh, and I was sort of, what, what are you working on at the moment, please? Oh, just just the usual. <laughs> yeah, 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 whatever. <laughs> How fantastic. Yeah. Thank you very much for speaking to me. Nice, nice to, to, to see, see you. Take care. You've been listening to... The Dirty Hooers Doctor Who podcast. Follow us on iTunes or at dirtyhooers.com. Find us on Twitter at Dirty Hooers. Oh, yeah, we're also on Facebook. See you next time.